Today is Harry Potter's birthday. He was born in 1980. I wonder what Harry's up to nowadays. He's an auror. What does that mean in the real world? He's a FBI agent. Really? That's how I think of it. Oh. I mean, he's, he's, a cop. he's, he's magic cop. He's what? Like MI, MI6 or sure. something? MI6. But Ooh. for... But like, not as secretive. Yeah. But probably also... Uh, but way secret. more secretive. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He works for an agency that keeps its entire community... Uh, like, isn't part of the Auror's job to maintain the secrecy of the wizarding world? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different departments in the ministry. Here's what I don't understand. Aurors are, like, basically for hunting down, like, evil wizards. Right. Who right. does day-to-day misdemeanor-related oh, crime in the wizarding world? Oh, wizards don't do that. They wizards don't, don't, do don't commit crimes. <laughs> wizards oh. don't commit crimes. How there, dare you? There's only good wizards or horribly evil wizards. Yes, only good wizards are dark wizards. No morally gray wizards at all. <laughs> no. Very black and white. No yeah. xenophilious love goods. Oh, destroyed your argument right what there. What did in he the do? Middle. Uh, he betrayed Harry and Ron and Hermione to the Death right. Eaters in order to protect his own family. So he's just a dark wizard. But he's not, I mean, though. But, he's Luna's dad. Yeah. Right. But he's a dark wizard. So that's, I mean, you're, you're, you're good Also or bad. gave them information on the Deathly Hallows. Right. Yeah. But are you good saying you would have done the same thing in his place about some kid and his two friends? Or your daughter? Like, who would you choose? Like, you don't know who this kid is, or his two friends, whatever. I would absolutely choose my daughter. Yeah, exactly. So, but so then you're I, both dark wizards. But then I would feel bad about it. Oh, because sure. Because I sold these kids out to Wizard Hitler. Does he say he doesn't feel bad about no, it? No, he feels terrible so about it. So, there we go. And well, yet, I, I don't, are you trying to prove something to me? Because I, I didn't You're the write. one that's saying he's a dark wizard. Because oh. that's how the world works. I, I didn't write it. I didn't choose this. I thought you wrote it. No. You didn't write Harry Potter? I am not. She, co- she, she was a story consultant. I thought that was like she a, consulted me on a it. ghostwriter name. Of... Yeah. Okay. I mean, you well, know, I can't talk about that. So. Okay. You guys remember that PBS show, Ghostwriter? Yeah, I love that show. PBS show? Yeah. You yeah. mean the guy whose head lights on fire? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Ghost... That's Ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. <laughs> this was Ghostwriter. Yeah. Okay. No. And it was about a ghost. Who wrote things in a computer? I love the intro. Wait, no, really? no, no, it wasn't just computers. It was, it was all Hang over on. the place. He really? wrote all over the place. Yeah, it was print I, and I'm stuff gonna, too. I'm gonna admit, I never actually caught but, the show. I only caught like the tail end of it all the time. I never saw a full episode of Ghost Writer. Did he just write? Like, did he write for other writers too? No, he, no, I don't he think so. He tried to help kids like solve mysteries and shit. Did, yeah. I mean, he he was like uh, he was he was just like he was a glowing ball like a really bad CGI glowing ball. Ghost Rider. And he That's would the intro. he would just it's run a across intro. a surface and then it would be like he wrote something on that surface. Yeah, he, I have never heard. It's of so good. I I really loved and hated this show because it made me really cognizant of what my handwriting looks like because the kids in that show wrote real clean and I was like how do you do that I want to be that but I can't I can now my handwriting is complete garbage it so. was a show meant to shame children for their subpar penmanship it's and worked. clearly it did its job on Garof. it did huh. I'm good, real self-conscious good thing I didn't watch that I just another thing to the list of things I do wrong probably for me from the oh, I mean you okay. can't write wrong everybody's looking at me weird well you're the one who's 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 uh I write crappy it's not wrong I mean can people read it yeah. I Do mean, you I can use read the it. right order of, can you of English this? letters? I can read that. Yeah, great. For those of you that can't see what we're doing right now because you're not uh, casting Scry, um, Garab just showed me a piece of paper that he had written some things upon. I think And that, now you're all caught up. Okay, I think that they got that, Jordan. Without, just in case I didn't. Without you explaining. Listen, not everyone can cast Scry, so I'm just trying to make sure Jordan, that those of us that can't cast no. Scry. Listen, our, our audience, they're smart. Some of them might have specialized in a school of magic that excluded divination. Okay. I mean, if they could cast Scry, then they'd know all of our secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I get it. I think that's a good point to I say. I get it. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, this is Experience Pointers. We are a trio of RPG gamers and GMs, and we're here to talk about uh, some tips and tricks for our games and hopefully your games as well. I'm Megan. I'm Jordan. I'm Garab. And we're using a little bit of a different audio setup today. What? Don't tell me. That's a secret. No, it's not a secret. Okay. They're going to clearly just, know. Just because we're talking about secrets doesn't mean everything's, everything's a, a secret. secret. Right? Yeah. Jordan said it like it was. <laughs> well, no, well, I just came in at a weird point. But uh, yes, we are using a new audio setup. So uh, please send us your feedback on this on Twitter. Uh, you can hit us up at expointerspod. 
and let us know what you think of the new audio setup because uh, we're trying to figure it out. Work in progress. But we were going to start this discussion of secrets at your tabletop RPG table mm-hmm. uh-huh. by revealing some secrets of our own, correct? Oh, oh wait, I, I forgot about this and totally did not remember a secret. Uh-oh, oh. well, you can go last. Great. So uh, just to get, make sure everyone's on the same page, because uh-huh. um, anyone listening right now, we know all of your secrets because we can cast Scry. Um, but don't worry, don't worry. We don't think any less of you. Everybody's got secrets. And when you can hear everyone's mental secrets, um, nobody seems shocking anymore. But we're going True. to share, just in the interest of fair play, we're going to share some of our secrets. And I'm going to go first. Okay. Because um, you'll see. So when I was, I believe I was nine, uh, my best friend and I would spend the whole day just out in the summer, like riding our bikes around, hanging out at the park. Um, but we weren't always near a bathroom. So one day there was, there's a ditch over by this park and there's this big like drainage pipe that walks out over the ditch, Mm -hmm. right? And my friend is like, hey, I really need to take a dump. And I'm like, okay, should we go back to your house? He's like, no, it's too far. Here's what I'm going to do. So this seems very planned now. I, I'm, no, no, I don't know. I wasn't there right. when he was planning this. Sure. Oh, I was, I like, was there at the time, yes, because uh, that's how I know the story. Right. Um, so he was like, here's what I'm going to do. This is Ricky, isn't it? No. <gasps> Ricky was, Bobby? I was nine. Um, I don't know. So he was like, I'm going to walk out on this drainage pipe, and I'm just going to kind of like squat, and I'm just going to I'm gonna poop into the, into the drainage ditch. Your job is to make sure that uh, if any cars come by on the bridge right there, that you just hide me from view. And I was like, okay, cool. So that part of the plan actually went off without a hitch. The problem was he didn't poop into the ditch. He pooped on the drainage pipe. <laughs> so we, you know, he's he's got his pants back on and everything, but we've got just this... <laughs> this dump on the drainage pipe that we're trying to deal with and he is like i'm not going to do anything with this and i'm like that's disgusting we have to do something with it you can't just poop on a drainage pipe and then walk away what did you do so i took a stick oh my god and i very gently tried to coax his his stool off of the drainage pipe and into the ditch but it took much longer than i anticipated because and i'll apologize in advance the stick sunk into it instead of being able to push it like a solid. So I had to do a lot of scraping and a lot of shoving. And to this day, the memory of that, you know, pile of feces that my friend left on a drainage dump, bubbling down into the water of the drainage ditch, sticks in my brain. And that is a secret that I have told very few people. I don't even think Megan knew that before right now. I didn't know that. Wow. That's a hell of a secret. So that's mine. Uh, neat. Neat. Cool. What do you got, Megan? I mean, I can't think of any secrets, but I'll tell you a, a, a silly thing about me when I was a kid. I always really wanted a tail. I always huh. really wanted a tail. I told people I was half cat <laughs> as a kid. Aww. Uh, and I had an invisible friend named Tail because I wanted a tail Aww, so bad. Cool. Was your invisible friend named Tail a tail? Uh, or was it just a dude who was named Tail? Uh, my invisible friends never had an image in my head. They were just invisible. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. You can't see them, so... <laughs> sure. No, I had a few others, I don't remember. I think I was into Phantom of the Opera, so I had a Christine. Oh, God, I'm Caitlin. I'm Jordan's, I'm Jordan's little sister. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted a tail. Mm, okay. It was okay. very cat-focused. So you had one. So that's really shifted now that I'm an adult. Now you definitely don't want a tail or be a cat. I mean, no. I mean, you know, if you think about it, having a tail could be helpful for balance. If it was prehensile, yes. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really need a... And you could, like, hold other things with it depending upon how long oh, it was. Cool. Yeah, like your groceries, you know? Yeah. Extra. And the only thing that you would have to deal with as a result of that would be a weird human skin-covered tail. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. That's, I would like, want fur on that tail. You would want fur on it? Yeah. That's but, better? Like, this would be... Where does the if, fur hey, end? Hey, this would be. <laughs> this would be. <laughs> That's, I'm just. These are important questions. No, no, no. This would be a thing that like humans had. It wouldn't be just like me. It wouldn't and just it would be you. Be, oh. No, it'd be like a normal. I don't want to be the well, only one. Is with it a optional? Because I don't want one. So. 
I want one. I don't <laughs> want the fact that you two want tails to force me to have a Wait, tail. Wait, can I have two? How does this work? Oh, two You're tails. not a displacer beast. Oh. Man, I got I got a lot of D&D references coming out today. You do, yeah. Look at you. Um, Garab, oh. is that enough time for you to come up with a secret? Okay, here's the one I can think of. This one's actually really recent. So you guys remember, I think this was last year, we did Iron Keep Chronicles, and there was an episode that was a season finale. It was Amy's last episode. I think mm-hmm. it was. And we did a charity episode. Um, and the top tier that I sort of babbled out and said, like, if we hit this much, Amy will punch me in the balls. Do you guys remember that? Uh-huh. I do. There was a I clip. I vaguely and, remember that, yes. Yes. Um, so she that we reached that tier, and she did. Um, she actually didn't hit me in the balls. I acted the whole thing out. Whoa. So that's that's a pretty big secret that oh, not many people know. Oh my know. god, she didn't hit you? No, not at all. So I acted the whole thing, and then I told her that later. She's like, "I don't believe you," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's fine." Wow. Cool. My, I'm kind of. I, I feel a little bit betrayed. It was for charity. You had to put on a big show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a real secret. I'm not gonna lie. I know when we said this initially, we were doing this to make everyone feel on the same page because we don't think less of you. We don't want you to think less of us, but I think less of Garab after that. And I pushed someone's poop off a drainage pipe with a stick. So that should tell you, that should tell you a lot. I mean, I don't feel yours is that bad, honestly. You could have just left it. I could have, but what kind of person would, I'd have to live with that and then that would be a secret I wouldn't share with you guys. I get, all right. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, you guys. You know down. what? Forget it. Let's jump into this. But before we do, we have our sponsor. Ah, we have a sponsor for Experience Pointers Podcast, and that sponsor is Ben Danish. Yay. And Ben Danish, thank you very much for your sponsorship, has sent us a pun of the sode. I'm ready. A pun of the sode. Are you guys ready? I don't think you are. I'm uh, ready. This ready. one is a little. This one's got a romantic flair to oh, it. Oh, okay. I'm good at those. What do mathematicians do before making love to their spouses? Uh, what do mathematicians do before they make love to their spouses? The Pythagorean theorem. Is that no? Not even close. They. Megan. Solve a problem. They solve a problem. So you guys are really <laughs> focused on their job. Um, well, what but, else should it be? Yeah, mathematician. Right, but I'm, you're just saying things that mathematicians do as opposed to what they might do before making love to their spouses, which is... They multiply their penis. No. What? <laughs> no. They engage in foreplay. Oh, four. Four, like, four. like the number four okay. play. All right. Well, four play. That doesn't have to be a mathematician. Well, I guess it... Do- All right. Well, if you wanted to make it more RPG-themed, you could say they engage in D4 play. Ha, uh, okay. Wow, wow. Okay, well... <laughs> Megan didn't like that. Megan wasn't a fan, but we're a fan of you, Ben Davis. So thank you very much for sponsoring us. But today's episode is actually about secrets. Ooh. Oh, it is? Yes. What? Really? Secrets? Secrets in your role-playing games. We and kept it a secret from Megan. Megan. We did. That we was did. real rude. <laughs> Sorry about that, Megan. But uh, it was important for the dramatic reveal. We're talking about secrets at the table and specifically um, how they work when you're uh, a GM keeping secrets from your players and how they work when you're a player keeping secrets from the other players at the table and some do's and don'ts where that's related. But I, me, me personally, I am a big, big fan of secrets at the game table. I think that they are a really valuable tool for storytelling. Uh, for maintaining suspense and tension, and for keeping people invested and wanting to come back to the game. I have a question. Yes. Whenever we're talking about, especially as a GM, keeping secrets, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, being a GM is kind of being a big secret keeper. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I think of it like, okay, you know, I know this story that I'm going to lead you all through that you guys don't know until you get to it. Now, obviously, there are different approaches to... GMing, so so it may not really look that way, but, but but for the most part, there's an information the GM knows that the players don't know. So whenever we're talking about a GM keeping secrets, mm-hmm. what where is the line? Where is it different from just being a GM and then actually uh, a secret on top of being a GM? So that is an interesting question, and I really like that description of a GM's role as GM as secret keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, that really speaks to my uh, sensibilities as a as a GM at the table, and I. I think that's a cool way of thinking about it. But I would say these secrets are the ones not of like, you know, the secret of what's going to happen next, 
uh, because that's sort of like always the, the ongoing thing that you're exploring at the table. But these are the secrets that if you were to ask your players, hey, what were some secrets that were kept from you at a table by your GM? They would go, oh, well, there was this one time where we thought this for a really long time, but the whole, these are important secrets that maybe either persist for a long time, that are mysteries to be solved, or their dramatic twist secrets like, oh, this person that you trusted this whole time was secretly an agent of the big bad evil guy, or was in fact the big bad evil guy. Your classic Final Fantasy style thing where the King's steward, who's been so nice and definitely hasn't seemed sinister this whole time, mm -hmm. was actually the bad guy, but like an actually kept secret instead of the way they so, do it in Final Fantasy games. Right. In the way you're describing it, it's kind of uh, like plot twists. Not necessarily plot twists, but interesting things. Like, um, so, okay, just to make this m more simple uh, for, the, for, for all of us here, we all play in the same game on Saving Throw. We play in Wild Cards. I'm the GM. You guys are players. Mm -hmm. What are some secrets that I have kept from you guys or am currently keeping from well, you guys? Well, the main one, and of course, if you have not watched wild cards these uh, spoilers. are spoilers <laughs> right. but uh, uh but this is a, a pretty early on season two i think spoiler so uh, uh gerald richards for example yes. would be who turned out of course to be chaos which we didn't know that he was some horrible evil we we definitely were like who is this guy he's suspicious but he seemed like a nice friendly guy and he turned out to be a horrific godlike demon creature thing right um so that, I, that from your description of GM secrets, that's sort of how I would how how I would explain that one. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, uh, um, the uh, Holbrook gang mm -hmm. or Johnny and Holbrook uh, being not actually being dead mm -hmm. would be right. one, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, and that one wasn't a twist. That was something no. that was led up to and alluded to by rumors and uh, and sure. sightings and stuff ahead of time. So sure. like the Gerald Richards secretly being chaos was a plot twist. Uh -huh. um, the the truth of whether or not Holbrook was dead was not necessarily a twist so much as it was you guys going like, wait, didn't we shoot him and cut his throat? How could he still be alive? Mm -hmm. Or is he still alive? Or is this drunk person who says he saw him, you know, making stuff up? We don't know what to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, what about the secret of what the popcorn woman wants from Howl? Uh-huh, sure. Is that a secret? It is a secret. Well, that, and also, I, I mean, I have, that is something that essentially you have made up sort of through something that you said, Garav. But then there's a Blackwood Society in which I sort of birthed that in a way, but I don't, as far as what they really wanted from me was not something that I had knowledge of. That was something that I sort of gave to Jordan and then you, Jordan, were like, okay, and I'm gonna take it this direction. So let's talk about secrets then as not necessarily just plot twists, um, but also bits of like intriguing mysteries that are not uh, solved in one session, mm -hmm. maybe. Something that persists and gives players time to like think and wonder about them. Sure. Or things that the players aren't even thinking about at all because they don't know to question it. And then that's more of a plot twist kind of thing. When sure. you reveal it, they're like, what? Mind broken. I will still say, though, that to me, there's still kind of a blurry line between just being a GM and a GM keeping secrets in this instance. Sure. Yeah. But, but I will say, when I asked you what were some secrets, you had a handful yeah. of things to directly uh, sure. pull out. So these are the things that feel more dramatic at the table. Right. The things that are like, oh, what? Like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the value of having secrets at the table and keeping secrets as a GM is you can keep players invested in wanting to keep coming back to the game to figure out more things. Sure. Because one thing I very much like to do is sprinkle a bunch of little secrets around with big secrets. Mm -hmm. And you can, yes, you can think about these things as potential plot hooks or just things to discover through play. But I would say that um, thinking about them in that way kind of changes the way that you would approach them as a GM. Uh -huh. um, I would, I would say, and I could be wrong, but you guys, do you feel like I am, like I have a bunch of secrets that I keep from you as a GM? Do you feel like there's an aura of mystery over the game sessions um, because there's always like some sort of like unknown quantity that you're, you guys are trying to figure out or realizing you didn't know 
but maybe you need to know. Uh, yeah. I think so. In a good way. But in a good way, yeah. yeah. I don't think of it as a negative thing, but I definitely always think, especially having played, I mean, you're the GM I've played with the most of my life, really. Sure. And you always run a game like that. Right, and that's, that's, that's the value of Secrets at the Table for me. Right. That's the kind of vibe that I want to set up for my players. It's like, what's really going on with all of these things? Mm-hmm. I want to keep exploring that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think the primary value of Secrets at the Table is, when they're done right. Right. Um, sure. Well, yeah, let's talk about that then. Um, so so you, we, we sort of gave some examples. And, and if you guys haven't seen Wild Cards, maybe some of those aren't super clear. But hopefully, like just taking the one of us having met a man that we were unsure about, Gerald Richards, and he turns out to be a crazy evil god that is pursuing us like yes. a madman. Um, so just just maybe we can talk about that one since that one seems pretty straightforward. So, it's also a fairly common plot twist in games that yeah. sure, an sure. ally turns out to be a, a secret evil traitor. Definitely. And what I want to talk about though is is what is what are the good the good things you can do with keeping a secret or good tips and then things you want to avoid. So I would say. Um, a really important thing if you're going to pull the traitor angle at the table is A, to realize that your players have a meta-awareness of story structure and um, role-playing games. So players, by their nature, are suspicious of everyone they meet who is kind <laughs> to, to them. To a fault, yeah. <laughs> yes, they are suspicious of everyone. And if yeah. you've ever tried to get through a just straightforward, normal, unimportant social interaction at a game, only to be stymied by your players all wanting to roll sense motive or whatever the equivalent of that is in the system that you're playing, then you're familiar with this. So the important thing when you are doing something like the secret trader, mm-hmm. um, in order to do it well, is to not necessarily make it, um, you don't, you don't want to cheat. You don't want your players to feel like, what, that guy was a bad guy? That doesn't make sense. Sure. He's been helping us in this way the whole time, and you're like, ah, but that was just to throw you off the trail because I wanted him to, I wanted it to be a surprise when you realized he was evil. That doesn't feel like a good reveal. That feels like your players are like, okay, I guess you just wanted to yeah. have someone turn on us for a narrative thing, but that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think a big part of Secrets is foreshadowing at least some part of it, maybe? Sure. Well, to me, in sort of what you're saying, this comes back to just as a storyteller of any kind, when you're telling a story to an audience, you don't want to condescend to your audience. Right. So that's sort of what that, that is to me. Like you want to treat them, you want to give them information, but you don't want to condescend to them. Right. You know what I mean? So, you, so your approach is that my audience is smart. and that doesn't mean don't give them any information because that's not fun either. That's frustrating. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's very much sort of what this what this reminds me of what you're saying is a pro if you approach your players as if they are smart you know people and and i feel like i'm going to end up going off on a tangent on this there, there are lots of uh grays in this instance because i have also seen and i think we talked about this a little bit with uh, maybe mystery or horror uh, in an episode previously but um there's also an element of you want to assume your players are smart, but you don't want to punish them if they don't understand what's... Yes. So that may right. be something else, but that I feel like sort of plays into what you're saying. Well, that's here. another big part of keeping secrets from your players as a GM. You don't want the reveal of those secrets to make them feel stupid. Right. Yes. You, yeah. don't, you don't want the reveal of those secrets to be like, ha, you fools, you trusted this person. And right. it's... And, and it's it was a cheat all along because yeah. I was just do- having him do all these helpful things just so I could turn on you. You don't want them to feel like, okay, well, I guess that makes not only, I mean, yeah, you got me as a player, but that also makes my character stupid. Yeah. So congratulations. I, I, I feel dumb. Yeah. And if your players are on the trail of a secret and are close to figuring it out and maybe like they figure out who the traitor is and like shoot them with an arrow, don't make it like that's not true anymore just because they figured it out. Like give them the success of figuring it out and give that person like, all right, you got me, but here's a trap. Like do something, but don't negate it. Yes, okay, yes. and that's very important. Uh, that's actually a really good point, Gaurav, mm-hmm. because you have this, this impulse as a GM, you're like, oh no, but I wanted that dramatic yeah. reveal. But if your players figured it out and their characters figured it out, then you can, yes, still jump into something like, okay, he had a contingency plan in, mm-hmm. in, in place if he got killed, but don't suddenly make it like, oh, no, what? Why did you guys murder that random guy? Yeah. He was a good guy. Yeah. And you right. can have that impulse as a GM because you want to maintain 
I really wanted that reveal on my terms. But you can't always make those reveals on your terms because the game is only, you know, partially what you bring to the table as a GM and partially what your players choose to do. So reward them for figuring out that mystery ahead of time. Well, to me, that is very much along the lines of the way I like to approach GMing in general, which is I want to make my players feel successful. I mean, you want to challenge them. You, you have to challenge them for them to ever be able to feel successful. But you don't want to challenge them. You don't want to go so far that it's not a challenge. It's just impossible. And that's kind of that, that line. Like, to me, the reason that a lot of people play role-playing games, and there are numerous, but is to go into a world, play some, you know, character that is powerful and does these great things and is like, is, you know, like the movie hero is often, I think, what people are doing. And as a GM, we have the opportunity to help your players feel that way. Yeah. And that, that to me is very rewarding. And that is the point in a lot of ways of playing an RPG. Um, so, so that is sort of along those lines to me is it's, is, it's, it's about approaching it that way. So yeah, if your player figures it out, you want to reward them for that because I mean, you know, if you switch places, wouldn't that feel great? Yeah. And it's not always at all about that, but I think that is a big thing to keep in mind, especially whenever you're doing stuff like this. And you can still change it to challenge them Definitely. if they find a shortcut mm -hmm. through your hedge maze and, and get through all that. But you don't want to completely undercut them and pull the rug out from underneath them by being like, oh, nope, you were totally wrong. That was never actually a thing. And yeah. all those clues you thought, you made that up. That wasn't me. Yeah. Um, They're going to see through that. And it's yeah. not going to feel good for anybody. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's going to make everyone feel a little bit cheated. Mm -hmm. uh, and you already feel cheated. And that's why you're acting that right. way. Yeah. But I definitely understand that reaction. But, you know, if I, I urge you, I think it's very important as a GM to constantly check your, your uh, power mad levels. And if you're feeling uh, that kind of impulse, I would I would very much encourage you to check in and go like, okay, but what's going to feel good for the players? Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm doing this for them. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's 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 one thing. Uh, another thing I think some people, um, when you talk about secrets that you're keeping at a table, mm -hmm. they think of like these big like uh, like you know earth shaking reveals, and that's the only kind of worthwhile secret. But a secret can be little things as well. It can be just like little tiny mysteries that don't necessarily have anything um, to do with the larger meta plot or things like that, but they're, they're things that intrigue your players that they want to explore more of. Um, and, and if you're having fun with them, it can, be, it can be fun to kind of like recognize your players are like, wait, what's going on with that? And then hold back information and have them follow a trail of breadcrumbs as like a plot hook that you weren't necessarily intending on, on having one that they weren't necessarily thinking was going to happen, but it just sort of organically uh, occurs at the table, and now you've got this whole new like story to to go and pursue. Um, I think that can be an interesting development from uh, from holding back information at the table as well. Sure. Yeah. Are there any are there any secrets that your GMs have kept from you in the past that have felt bad? That like when when it's been revealed or something, you were like, ah, oh, okay. That doesn't. Um, I definitely feel, fun. feel like there have been a couple of games in which there was sort of a like, uh, oh, and that was all a dream <laughs> type thing. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, that it's not that you can't do that, but it's it. I think when that has when that there was one time I feel like when that happened, and it felt more like the GM going, I don't want it to go this way, so I'm just going to squash everything yeah. you guys just did, which was which. Yeah, it felt really lame because it was just like, okay, well, what's the point of me doing anything? My character can't do anything and everything I have done was was a waste and useless. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the it was all a dream um, device can be used in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Again, that's another one people expect, but it can be a fun way to sort of explore some what-if scenarios and then be like, oh, okay, that was all a dream. But, but you, it is very important, like what you're talking about. You don't want it to feel like your players wasted time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Unless that is like the theme, like you can, you can do that, but that, there are just so many little like nuances in some of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you really, really never want, you're, you want your players to, if, if, if their time if was wasted in the game, then there's a reason for it. Yeah. You know, there's gotta, there always has to be a reason that really supports either the character or the character development or the gameplay or the story or the whatever it may be. 
Very much like what you were just saying, Grub. You don't want to suddenly go like, oh, they got through that in a way I didn't anticipate. Yeah. I'm going to pull it was all a dream in order to erase right. what they did. Yeah. That's not keeping a secret as a GM. That's using your privilege of knowing the secrets of the game as right. a GM a, as a weapon against your players, yes. yeah. which is not recommended because uh -huh. that's something that leads you down a kind of morally questionable path as a GM and yeah. also starts to eventually bother your players a lot. I will say one other thing I feel like I ran into, and I don't remember a specific, but I remember this happening a few times, uh, is uh, the GM sort of deciding a secret that my character had and, and, and oh, throwing sure. that in there. And yeah. you're kind of like... Without communicating it to you? Yeah, and it maybe not something big, but just kind of you're like, oh, okay, okay. Cool. Like I've definitely had GMs where I just I don't mesh with them because they just don't seem to understand my character or my play style, and that's fine. But I think that that really is probably more the issue is a communication breakdown or a play style breakdown or whatever you want to say. But uh, but yeah, I've definitely had games like that where it, and it just I just detach from it because I'm like, well, it's not my character, I guess. So whatever, I'll just you know. Right. Yeah. Let's. Mm -hmm. I I want to put a pin in that conversation point because we are going to talk about uh, player secrets, and I think sure. that's a really interesting uh, angle there. Uh -huh. yeah. um, I will say I had a negative uh, secret style uh, interaction in in a game I played in with an NPC that had just been hor hor just a horrible human being. Every we'd only dealt with this uh, character like a couple times, but every time we did, they were just like they they treated us like scum. They themselves seemed like a scummy person, just like a you know sex addicted drug addict, like kind of like just power abusing uh, person. Um, and it was like, oh god, this guy's the worst. And then at one point, uh, the the GM did a kind of like reveal where it was like. No, he's actually only like that because he's suffered a great personal tragedy and you should you should care about this thing that he <laughs> suffered all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, cool, but he he made me like do all of this humiliating, degrading stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care that yeah. he didn't handle it well. That guy's still a douchebag and I don't trust him. Yeah. And the GM was like trying to make uh, like me and the other players like feel bad for the way we were treating him and we were like no yeah. like this guy has never been but been anything but dirt to us just because you know you've and and that very much felt like a kind of like okay i don't like the way they're treating this npc yeah. so i'm going to change his character to make my players feel bad about the way they've been doing yeah. that took the agency of our decision and our experience of the game world away from us yeah. and made us all of a sudden the bad guys yeah. Yeah. for hating this horrible person uh, and we're supposed like to be fun. like oh okay well i guess there's another side to every story <laughs> um that just yeah. that was an instance uh. of like uh, that that was, I think, a, a manufactured after the fact secret that was designed to make us feel poorly about something, and that's never a good motivation as a GM. Like, I'm going to make my players feel really terrible for decisions they've made, yeah. unless, of course, a, the, an exploration of morality and ethics is part of your game, and your players are into it. But that wasn't what we were all doing, so it felt right. like just a big cheat out of nowhere. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. What about you, Graf? Um So a, a secret that happened recently in uh, one of the games you play in Saving Throw called Iron Key Chronicles. Uh, this was last season. Um, we this is a regular D and D campaign, high fantasy, and all that. We had a paladin in the party, and at one point uh, we were fighting. I think this is one of the big bads we were fighting, and they cast a spell that revealed basically like the truths in the area, and revealed that that paladin, who was a human up till this point, was actually a doppelganger the entire time. And this is a character that we've known since our childhood, like we grew up together. Mm -hmm. And there was never like a moment that we ever like even thought about that. There was no like foreshadowing, there was no like, he feels odd about this, or there's some sort of hint towards it, so it's like, He's a, he was always a doppelganger. Like, wait, so we grew up with this kid we never knew? Like, there was never any sort of anything? And apparently the player, uh, Eric, playing him also knew this, but didn't know when he was going to reveal it. And it was kind of put out in front of him when he wasn't really ready. But it, it was a cool moment as the reveal. But afterwards, I was like, wait, why, why didn't we know anything about this before? Like, I wish there was some sort of hint where he was acting odd or something. This was like... 20 or 30 episodes in we're like oh okay but we were kids together why he was blue as a blue person his parents were blue people um and it was fine afterwards it became a cool thing 
go, moving forward, but uh, up until that point, there was nothing hinting towards this big secret that he had. So that sounds like a really cool secret to to reveal um, because it sounds like you know yeah. the player was in on it. It wasn't one of those things that Megan was talking yes. about where it was mm -hmm. like, hey, you've been a doppelganger. And he's like, what? Yeah. Um, but it sounds like the reveal wasn't um, handled properly uh, in a way where like enough information was given ahead of time sure. to make you guys feel like, oh, that's why X and Y and such happened. Yeah, um, exactly. It, yeah, it's it's like okay, that makes these things that happened in the past make more sense. Yeah. It's just like boom, it suddenly wasn't, your uh, world's changed. It wasn't a click moment. Nothing clicked. Sure. It so it didn't like, feel satisfying at the table. Is no, what you're I mean, it was a very cool way. reveal, very cool moment. We were all like, "What?" But yeah, it could have been better. Is what I'm sure. What I'm sure. Saying, I guess. And that's like uh, honestly, like that's fine if that's the response that that you get. Like, not everything you introduce, yeah. not every kind of secret or anything like that is gonna blow it out of the water like sometimes mm -hmm. you're gonna go sure. i didn't handle that in exactly the way i wanted to but as long as like you said it became a cool thing later on it did uh, yeah. after that fact that you guys got to deal with and that's still a win sure yeah um but but yeah you definitely if you're going to engineer some sort of reveal like that you want it to feel really satisfying or cool when it happens for sure yeah um so on the on that note we're kind of talking about player secrets at this point and this is where things actually get really really tricky at the table yeah um so let's let's talk about that a bit like megan you were just saying um that that thing where the gm decides for you without yes. consulting you that your player has a secret uh -huh. that is that's a a real i would almost i would say almost without exception you should try and avoid that as a gm yeah yes i i, I think it's interesting because now that i've played with more gms uh over the years I, I can kind of see different kinds of GMs in the way that they look at the game and the way that they approach their players and their players' characters. And I think some GMs don't think, I don't think they mean to, but I feel like they don't necessarily think of their player characters. They think of it less, I don't even entirely know how to put it. It's like, okay, well, I've created this game and I've got these characters and ooh, this would be really interesting if this player had this thing. So I'm just going to throw that in there. You know what I mean? It's like they don't, I don't think they intend to take ownership in any way away from that player, but it's like they just don't think about it like that. I, I think it's a, a couple of different approaches because then I think there's some GMs that approach it like, okay, this is about the player and the player characters are the top you know, of the food chain in, in my idea of GMing or creating this game. So I'm going to create everything for essentially these characters. Um, and I'm going to work with these players based on these characters, as opposed to the other way around, which I feel like some GMs are like, well, I built a world and your whatever characters are going to hop in here and then I'm going to mold them, you know, to fit my world, which I really dislike personally as a player. I don't want to play in games like that, but there is validity to that style, yes. I guess, as well. I'm actually going to say I don't think that is a super valid style of play because what that does is it takes away the agency of your players. Yeah. Um, your, so, so it sounds to me like what you're describing is I have created a world, I've written a really cool story, and I'm going to force all of you to play the parts that I have pre-written yeah. in this story now, for you. Now, I, I don't disagree with you because I personally very, I very much hate that, but I'm a performer and I come from, I mean, I look at role-playing games as I'm like, oh, I'm excited to perform essentially. But for some players, I think... Uh, some of them just want to go, I built this weird, you know, crazy character, whatever, and I'm just going to throw them in here. Now, I would argue that even if those people don't necessarily think about it like that, they would much rather have uh, and feel that they had ownership over that character and that the world was created for them, if not uh, in a character role play backstory sense, but at least in a mechanical sense. Right, because mm -hmm. I, I would say no player over time is going to feel good about not being able to make important decisions for themselves. Like, I have totally. had GMs who have decided my character has romantic entanglements with other PCs yes. at the table, and I'm like, uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Like, I've, that's never been a thing. Like, yeah. why all of a sudden are you treating everything I'm doing with this other PC as if it's flirting? Yeah, it's, that's weird. It's not. Yeah, like, without agreement, that's going to be so weird for everybody at the table. Right, or mm -hmm. without, like, clear signals from your sure. players that that's well, what they're wanting. And that's an, instant, that's an instance of where you're also... Um, you're also kind of putting your player in an awkward position yeah. at the table. Like you're you're creating an, an uncomfortable environment for the players, and that's also 
not something you ever want to do. And I would say what we're describing is still a GM secret, but a very undesirable GM secret, which is I know more about your character than you do. Right. Like I know more about what your character actually wants and, and is going to do than you do. And yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. That's a bad GM secret. Yeah. I very much don't like that. And I, I, I really, I agree with you, Jordan. I, I think it is much more beneficial to be, to go, okay, uh, what are who are your characters? Okay, great. I'm going to build a world for them, uh, or build a a campaign or a you know combat or whatever or it is playground for them, for them to play. Them. Yeah, because that because that goes back to the the whole thing of like you know you want we're generally speaking we're playing RPGs to feel powerful in one way or another. I mean that varies, but you know so you want to create a world where the characters they build will feel that way or at least feel like they get to explore whatever it is they built that character to explore yeah. sure and and i think it's also important that uh you you don't have to reveal every secret like some characters should remain mysterious mm -hmm. throughout like you don't need to reveal everything about their backstory because then i don't know they lose some luster after after a little while like if you're doing a campaign that lasts like five years sure you'll probably explore every facet of every character but like if you're just doing like a year-long campaign like leave some mystery back there you don't need to know oh my everything God. about a character i love doing that yeah. i love introducing like an npc or a group mm -hmm. that like you're like where did these guys come from and then they like just through their interaction with you you start to get the sense that they're like wait What's their deal? That's yeah. kind of interesting. And then they're like, anyways, I have to go. Bye. Yeah. And you're like, wait, I want to learn more about you. Yeah. That'll leave them wanting a lot more than just revealing everything as exposition about somebody. Well, honestly, doing that too creates a more um, three-dimensional mm -hmm. uh, world. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, we walk past people every day. I don't know their whole story and I'm yeah. never going to. I may be like, what's that guy's deal? Yeah. I'm never going to know. I mean, we go home and scry them, so we know. But I right. mean, we, 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 we know. know. Yes, we uh -huh. know. Garab but, is a displacer beast. Um, right, but generally speaking, everyone else Yes. Um, so I, I want to say real quick, so I actually, my second ever D&D character that I created, um, I was put into a position where uh, I was in a very, like, archetypical um, D&D secret that the player has situation. And I think it worked out really well, but it could have been horrible. So my first character was a paladin uh, who died defending the group from like this evil god and was killed. I had the chance to be reincarnated, but I was like, no, that was a really awesome way for my character to die. It's what he would want it. He's at peace now. We moved on. I created a new character who was a changeling bard because we were playing an Eberron. Um, and the GM or the DM uh, wanted to uh, introduce my character as an agent of the big bad evil guy. Um, unbeknownst to the other players and their character. So what we decided to do was just have my paladin come back. Like, so my paladin came back and had like this weird explanation for like how he had been revived by like this secretive sect of monks or something and had been kept hidden and then came back to find them, but was slightly different now. Um, and they were like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, they knew 100% that that wasn't the case, but they didn't know what I and the DM were doing. So they sure. were like, all, all right. <laughs> so, you know, the, this, the thing was the big bad evil guy had been spying on the group for a while and had enough information to feed my changeling character to inform his, like, uh, being an imposter uh, version of this old character I had. Um, and I think we did... I think we did two sessions like that where I had introduced my new character as my old character and the group was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, but then as, as a complete accident, I got caught in an area effect spell that one of the other PCs cast because I was invisible and it killed my character. Oh. Uh, and when a changeling dies, uh, they lose their glamour. So they, they cast like speak with dead or something to uh, bring my spirit back and, and talk to me. And that's when they figured out what was going oh. on. And I had to have like my character decide to switch sides and basically be like, you know what? I don't like working for this evil person anymore. I think I want to come with you guys. If you could bring me back to life, I'll help you guys out. And that's how we did that. And everyone was cool with it. But that can be such a dick move yeah. as a GM and yeah. a player. You have to really consider how you're going to handle that before you decide to introduce one of the players as a double agent for you. That can be something that can be spectacularly amazing 
or can make everyone hate not just you but also that player for going along with it because it was it just felt so cheap. Yeah, people yeah. get really attached to these characters and having someone in your party backstab you like that, like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely played in a couple of games. These were both, I think both that I'm thinking of were one-shots in which there was, I, I one time played like a double cross, which I honestly did not like. It, it, that is not fun. Like for me, there, it can be kind of fun to like, uh, you know, be like secretly trying to do something else. But for the most part, like I don't like being a, I don't like being a bad guy in that way. Uh, and then I've played in games where someone else sort of double crossed everyone, and and in that instance, it was like ooh cool. But it was sort of like one of them. It was like it was happening the whole time, and the other one, it was kind of a reveal, and that was fun. But but I don't. Are you talking about wild cards? No. Oh no, but because um, I did this to you guys in wild cards as well. Oh no, these were one shots. Okay. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it is interesting because because it can be utilized fun, but but I can imagine trying to do that much longer than uh, one maybe two episodes or, or sessions would be it would be very difficult to do well. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I actually had and don't let me change the subject if you guys had more to say on that. But I had one that I thought was kind of interesting. So in a, a home Savage Worlds game that Jordan ran that was based on the Secret World, which is an MMO that's really cool. If you guys have never heard of it, um, I had a character who I love, who I've probably talked about before. Her name is Adelaide Blackwood, and she um, she kind of had this whole thing like she wanted to be. Uh, she always wanted to do magic. She was kind of a nerdy librarian, right? And she she was all she loved Harry Potter, all these things. And all of a sudden, she discovers she can do magic, but she doesn't really understand like what kind of magic. And she happens to be from this really dark family, but she's not really a part of that. But they have all this dark magic uh, that they can do. And so every time she tries to cast a spell, it ends up being some creepy dark thing. And so in a sense, that's sort of different than a secret, but it's almost like a secret um, front of... of that she doesn't even fully know because she doesn't fully know the history of her own family. But so that, that was, was something you and I had agreed upon it was. at the time. And I think it was actually your idea mm -hmm. um, yeah. originally, which was which made it more interesting because then, I mean, that's a several layers of, dis of separation there because that's a secret that your character doesn't know, <laughs> right. that you as a player know. Right. Um, right. This would be, so I think this kind of stuff, like, okay, so for the Jack and Nines episode of Wild Cards, again, spoilers, if you haven't watched Wild Cards on Saving Throw, mm -hmm. um, um, at one point, you all passed through a door in this like weird uh, spirit world house, and I handed each of you an index card. And I love oh. doing crap like this, because oh, I right. told you I was going to give you each a secret uh, message on this card. And everyone's card says, lucky you, you're the only one that didn't get a secret message here, <laughs> but don't let the other players know that. Everyone's card said that except for one of you. Uh, and one of you I had be switched out with a evil spirit that was pretending to be that person, uh, which was Jordan Pridgen, who plays Gabriel Pryor. And I told him, I knew it was going to be him uh, from, from, from the beginning. I was already planning that. But on his card, it just said, try and very subtly undermine everyone's uh, <laughs> like self-confidence and belief in themselves without giving away who you are. Oh. Um, so for the rest of that session until it was revealed that the real Gabriel was being held somewhere else. And I actually did a double fake out with that. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, uh, he was, he did a really good job, I felt like, just kind of turning everything into like a real downer situation. And everyone was like, why are you acting this way? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a secret that he was being weird, but it was a secret why. Right. And then right. you guys went down into a basement and you found what looked like the real Gabriel in a box that I was playing. Um, and it's and you were told you had to kill one of them, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you were like, "Oh God, which one's the real one?" They were both fake. The real Gabriel was held somewhere else. That's just the way I like to do things. <laughs> uh -huh. But none of that was meant to be. None of it was like, "Okay, secret Gabriel, your job is to waste all of their healing, like get all of the healing items and pour them out." <laughs> right. Like it wasn't like a big middle finger to the players. Right. Um, no. It was just a fun kind of like what's well, going on situation 
You don't want to use secrets like that to be like, haha, I've screwed you. Yeah. You also did. Oh, sorry. If you had something else to well, say. Well, I just want to say it was good that you gave a note to everybody. Because if you just yes, gave it to yes. Gabe, we would have known like something's off about them. But because it was evenly spread out, we were like, well, something's right. happening. I also gave each of you a note that said you were the only one who didn't get a secret, but to keep that from everyone else. So I gave all of you a secret. Sure. Which gave you the ability to act like, okay, I have to pretend that I have a secret in order right. to like keep that from everyone else. So you all were operating in a in, on a level where you were either keeping an actual secret or pretending to keep a secret from the other people at the table. Whereas the actual secret was none of you had secrets except for one of you, and only one of you and me knew that. I uh, uh yeah, I, I really like doing this with players, and actually, you did this uh in the season one prologue episodes or epilogue episodes i suppose um in which oh, wild again cards, of wild cards yes yeah in which it was a completely different set of of characters but we were lost in a uh mine and everyone was going crazy and you again passed out cards to everybody and the different things like everybody had a different objective that was secret from everyone else and i actually did that on mysterium too which i just realized at one point similarly that the the characters were being manipulated by spirits um uh, each of them had something that you know was like a, a, a paranoia or something they were trying to do or whatever that was growing that the other players didn't know about mm -hmm. which i think can be really really fun as long as, yes, you don't make it like a dick move for the most part. Like, to me, it's best to keep it in role play. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, I agree, uh, clearly, because I love doing stuff like this. And I've described <laughs> several instances where I have. But you also want to make sure if you're doing something like that, it is not distracting too much from the game yes. that everyone is there to play. Yes. Sure. You don't want it to be something that then suddenly becomes about everybody trying to pull the game in four different directions instead yeah. of playing the game that everyone is there to try and play. Yes. I think it has to be used very thoughtfully, which, you know, can be said of a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. And sparingly. Yeah. Like a lot of yeah. Yes. The things we've talked about on here, uh, like when we talked about puzzles and stuff like that, you don't want to have like all puzzles all the time unless that's the group you have, which yeah. is, you know, lucky you, you've got a very, very <laughs> specific group of players at your table. Um, like all of this is stuff that you want to sprinkle in as tools you can use to kind of like just pep up different episodes. Yeah. If you feel like, okay, I think things have been going a little bit flat lately, this dungeon exploration or whatever is kind of dragging on a bit, I'm going to spice it up with the addition of like a player secret or yeah. something. Like, and, and it can even be something that you talk to a player ahead of time and be like, hey, what if we haven't really gone into the whole thing like where your family were treasure hunters back in the day? What if there's actually a treasure in this dungeon that you know about that you haven't told everyone else about that's really important to you personally to, for, for you to get? And that's actually what you're trying to do this whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if they're cool with it, then throw that in and then see how it develops at the table. Mm -hmm. But yeah. don't let it be like, hey, there's this treasure you want and you're going to try and kill everyone if it means you can get it. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've definitely been in a game like that where a GM has done that to me and I'm like... Yeah. I, well, I definitely agree that you should use secrets sparingly because, I mean, treat it a little bit like real life. Like, how often do you learn friends' secrets? Not even your best friends, but, like, eventually even them. That takes years to gain the trust of somebody to learn a secret. I mean, it took us, what, how many episodes of this podcast to talk about our secrets with each other? Yeah. And that was because we're talking about secrets. Otherwise, it would have never Never would have happened. A Jordan no. pokes poop with a stick. You guys never would have learned about my poop poking days. Yep. I get, well, I've been married to you for like almost three years now, and we've been in a relationship for way longer than that. You had so. no idea <laughs> I've poked poop. Wow. I feel a little betrayed. I'm and see, that's betrayed. a bad secret. Bad secret. <laughs> everyone feels betrayed. Yep. It's not a good, that's not ideal. Yeah. Yep. Real quick, talking about uh, meta in D&D in &D games and using secrets is, um, so let's say you're... Uh, your player separates from the group for a, for a minute or two and learns something that the rest of the group doesn't learn uh -huh. and then doesn't tell the rest of the group. Uh -huh. So that's a secret that's learned that the players know, but their characters don't. And that's, that's you got to use that with caution because sometimes those players, I mean, they can't help but know that knowledge, but playing dumb can only work for so long before like meta things start happening. Like, well, I want to attack this guy, but I know he's going to blow up if I hit him. So I guess I still attack him. Like, why wouldn't first? Why wouldn't your party member tell you that? Like, right. are they a vendetta against you or something? Like, sure. If you're gonna do that, if you're a GM who's gonna find yourself in that situation, maybe hand him a note instead. 
Or you, or you don't know how they're gonna well, react, so that's the problem. I think maybe if you take them, if you like take them out of the room, because I've been taken aside by a GM in a game and told some secret information. Sure. Also, when you're GM, when you're a GM and you're telling a player that, tell them how you eventually want that to be revealed. Sure. Or yeah. tell them, give them some like tips or requests for how you want them to play, keeping that knowledge from the player. Be like. Be like, so don't, you don't have to tell anyone that, but you should act like, like you know this knowledge. Right. And then if someone asks you, just come up with something else to say to, to uh, deflect it. Well, and also I would say though, in, in, cause I've definitely been in situations, I think it just happens in which a player like me as a player has been given information cause maybe we spread out and you know, we are trying to get info and I got info. Um, for the most part, if you're ever going to play that, card of, well, I'm not going to share this. It should be for a very specific mm -hmm. reason and yep. it should not be something you do all the time. Yes. Because, uh, and, and, and yeah, and it should be a specific reason that hopefully the players at the table all know your character well enough so they can go, okay, I understand why that makes sense. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then hopefully, yes, find a, find a way to get that information. Like I've definitely had instances just as Rosaline, because there are specific things that Rosaline sometimes is like, you know, she'll, she'll keep something because it's, Generally, if she does that, it's because it's personal to her, but it might affect the party. And generally, I like to use that as fodder later on for an emotional, like, fine, here, I'm going to tell you. But I don't like to keep it for very long because it is frustrating when all the players know and the other players are like, okay, well, I know this information, but yeah. <laughs> I guess I won't act on it. I think the important thing, just, just like when you're a GM, as a player, use secrets sparingly. Mm -hmm. Keep secrets from the other players sparingly yes. mm -hmm. and try and do it as in as well thought out and conscious conscientious a way as you can mm -hmm. when you choose to do it because that way it'll feel more fun it'll feel more vibrant and different yeah. and it won't feel like okay another thing that they're not telling us mm -hmm. you know like that's right. you don't want it to to feel like a slog basically right yeah no so um for sure anyone else anything they want to add to no i think i think i think that's pretty good and i i i urge our listeners please send us your secrets like yeah. we can only scry so much but if you don't talk about it we don't know so yeah. maybe just send us Send us your secrets. We please. need more secrets for our secret box. So. Yes, uh, the box hungers. Yeah, always and forever. That's why we learn to scry. Always and forever. The box, it whispers to us in the darkness. Give us secrets. So let's move on to the, the question, question of the soul. Soul, soul, Okay, so today's question comes from the RPG Reddit page. Uh, and uh, Perfect Luck 25367 asks, your solutions for the classic I don't want to play this character anymore problem. And they say, it's happened to me a few times. Two sessions in, I realized the character I built wasn't what I wanted to play, and I don't feel like it's contributing to interesting play. I've also had players tell me, can you kill my character? I want to build a new one. What are your tips? How do you solve this problem when it comes up in a way that doesn't disrupt the narrative? Or even better, what are your recommendations for preemptively dodging this issue? Um, I think that's a pretty common thing in games. Yeah, honestly, and, and, and I don't know that I've necessarily come upon this. I'm trying to think. I, I feel like maybe other players in a game that I've been at have come upon it. But I don't really think personally that it needs to be a big deal. Like, it is so it is so important to me that, that a player is playing somebody they are excited about. Because, again, this is a game. We're here to have fun for the most part. I mean, I don't know why else you would play. Um, and if you're not, then... That's not, that's not good. So I really think it could be simple as, you know, my character's like, the adventuring life is not for me or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and then you meet this new person. Like, I don't personally think it has to be a big deal. Now, now if you're, say for example, like we can take Iron Keep, like um, your character and Havana's character were married. So if Thon mm -hmm. was like, if you were like, I don't wanna play Thon anymore, he's out. It would probably be weird if he was just like, okay, Bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. And if you're talking about narrative, uh, it makes sense that you would want to have like maybe kill the character somehow or or have, you know, a moment or something with them. But uh, to me, I guess you could get down into a campaign and have played it for many, many sessions and go, I don't want this character anymore. And that can definitely happen. But my guess is if you've played with a character that long, you're at least attached to them in some way. So you would probably want to have a more specific ending for them. And I think that's something that you could sit down with a, the GM and the player and kind of discuss together. And yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really about maintaining the fun at the table. And right. I feel like it's a very easy fix to just talk to the GM and be like, hey, 
I'm not really enjoying this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then work with your GM to be like, okay, what's a cool way we can write this character out mm -hmm. and write my new character in? But you don't, yeah. Sometimes, though, I, I will say as a GM, there is always the fear that your players aren't giving their character enough of a chance. And if you feel like sure. that's happened, uh, talk to them about it, encourage them to like look at it from a different perspective or try a couple new things. What I like to do is give my players uh, several sessions of leeway to respect their characters. Mm -hmm. Like, let them play for a little bit and then go, oh, I shouldn't have taken that ability. That is not fun. I wish I had taken this other ability. I wish I'd moved my ability scores around a little bit. These skills aren't really working out. I wish mm -hmm. I had a different suite of skills. As long as you're maintaining the same basic core of the character, why not let them just switch some stuff around uh, for a little bit? Like, clearly, set up some sort of like cutoff point for yourself that you don't want like halfway like when you're playing a D and D campaign and they're level 10 and they're like you know what i'm gonna totally respect yeah. like that's not cool a little too far right but um yeah you know, a few sessions in uh you know i would say even five or six sessions in that's probably a good amount of time for them to go like i wish i had done some different stuff i will also say personally and this depends upon your entire table but if, if someone is like i i cannot play this character anymore i just i don't want to i don't want to play another session with this character and you got even if you guys are like 10 sessions in or something or they're level 10 or whatever um death I, I comes think to us all well <laughs> and beyond that i think it's perfectly acceptable to be like that's fine just just create a new character and we'll just we'll just we'll just uh introduce him and bring him in if, if for yeah. some possible reason because i think it is more important that your players are having fun mm -hmm. and or you know enjoying the game than it is creating some perfect reason as to why they're gone now that depends on your game group the other players like for for your game group it might be like no the story is so important and as players that's what we really like so we really want a narrative thing but 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 for some people like i feel like your players would un hopefully would understand and be like you know what i get it this guy at the table hated this character i really wanted to switch we'll, we'll make it work yeah as a, as a gm you have to be open to that and if Please just say yes, because if you say no, that player is just going to be at that table uh, like half playing that character. Like, oh, I guess I do this. I don't really give right. a crap about my character. Right. Also, we're playing a game, and right. I think it's very easy to lose sight of that right. in the RPG mm -hmm. hobby because it can feel like so much more than a game at times. But like, if someone comes to you and says, I'm not having fun playing this game this way, don't go like, tough. Yeah. Um, You're very important in my narrative. Sorry. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing that uh, that question asked was, how do you avoid this as a player? Mm -hmm. And for me, the way I try to avoid that as a player is not making too many decisions about my character before I start playing the game. Yes. I yeah. create a skeleton yes. for my character, but I don't hang the meat on the bones uh, before I start playing. I discover that through gameplay. That has actually been a really interesting thing that I've discovered in uh, building my characters over time. So I have built some characters who have this sort of fleshed out backstory and have all these elements. And I often find actually with those characters that I'm too limited. I've limited mm -hmm. my, my, my backstory so specific that I almost don't know how to, to play them. Uh, and that's frustrating. I actually have found it I found some of the characters that were much more simple of just like, like uh, Birna, for example, from Black Bag Vikings on Saving Throw. She was pretty simple character. She was uh, arrogant, young, very good at uh, fighting. And I had so much fun with her because I sort of created more of who she was through gameplay than I did from day one. Now, different people have different likes. Like when Tyler was on our podcast, he talked about how much he loves backstory. And for yeah. him, that's great. But I, I definitely agree that I much prefer to see what comes out in gameplay because some of those subconscious things that you can't always think of when you're creating a character are going to pop out in your, in your playing of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, I think uh, if you've ever seen any improv or taken an improv class, and a lot of you might not have, but they teach you that when you go into a scene, be a blank slate and then pull things from what's happening around you. So usually if your scene partner initiates and says something like, hey, this is a really fun concert, like be that concert goer, like build around what's happening and then also sort of adapt a point of view as it goes on. Like clearly bring something that you that you're doing into the scene but also build around like if you're the only like super sad edgy person in your party you're probably going to feel really weird five episodes in and everybody else is having a fun goofy time and you're like oh, i'm sad and i want to murder and everybody's like why why are you doing this this is why you don't fit in. This is why I don't like this character, man. There's always going to be a little bit of push and pull when you introduce this character you've created to the dynamic of the GM's world and the other characters at the table. 
That's actually, finish what you're saying. No, no that's Oh, well, that's actually a good point too. I, I think, and we've talked about this before, but I think some of that can be remedied by having discussion with everybody from yeah. day one, building characters together. Episode zero, baby. Going, episode zero. And, yeah, and Session. going, what is, right. yeah, we're, we're stuck on episode. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, and also going like, hey, we're going to be doing a uh, horror game in a grounded world. Yeah. So if you create like, well, I'm a goofy clown, then then you probably have <laughs> That's horrifying, first of all. So uh, I don't know, that's probably that on part. That is not gonna play well in this world. <laughs> but that that's my point. Like I, I do think, and I've seen that happen. I've seen people go, well, I wanna play this no matter what. It's like, okay, but the rest of the group is trying to do this and that's not, that's not necessarily gonna work. So I, I think that there's an element of getting very clear about what everybody wants, what everybody's planning to do and creating characters together. I still really find that one of the biggest benefits is creating like bonds with the other characters, creating characters that work well together because for me personally, that interplay is what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Not everybody cares about that, but I actually really do, even if that's not something you always focus on in your game, I think that that is something that can really heighten it and 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 make it more fun to play. Even if you have a character that maybe isn't specced in a way that you uh, would normally do, you might find it even more fun just because you're like, well, but these relationships are great, you know? Yeah. yeah, so as per usual, I feel like what this relates back to is communication mm -hmm. and, and a certain amount of flexibility at your game table, both mm -hmm. as a player and as a GM. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest way to honestly get over a lot of hurdles at the table, but those are some things that I think would address uh, that, that, that question. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I agree. Good sewed, everybody. Good yeah. sewed. We learned so much about each other. We Good do. Sewed. Let's celebrate with some sewed. We should yeah. have, yeah, we should have a sewed soda. Sewed soda. Classic sewed soda. You get caught up in the... We're working on merchandising. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. have we're gonna sell an these. experience pointer sewed soda. Sewed soda. So if you have a preference for a sewed soda flavor that you think would be a real crowd pleaser and just fly off the digital shelves, tweet it at us at EXP pointers pod. Yeah. Send it on over. No, what, what, like what flavor? What flavor is an experience pointers sewed soda? I mean, you know? What yeah. Um, also, if you want to ask us any other questions, if you would like one of your questions to be a future question of the Sode, uh, tweet it at us as well. We would more than happily answer your questions as well. We just love hearing from you guys on Twitter. We, we love do. you. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, All right, everybody. So, uh, ready to sign off? Yeah, yeah I think I am. Let's do it. Here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's go. This podcast has been a saving throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at EXP Pointers Pod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Kellerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garab is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash saving throw show. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.